All right, Steve, I want to run something by here because I've come up with yet another trademark, dead and lovely, multi-million dollar solution for a problem that I'm sure is plaguing people all over the world. Are you ready for this? Run it. Yep, run it. Let's hear it. Now, as we know, we're becoming a very health conscious society. We've got a lot of people that are out there. They're they're doing their paleo diet, the, the keto thing. They're watching their carbs, right? They're not doing right. alcohol. They're not doing any kind of yeah. bread or carbs or anything like that. A lot of people are out there doing that. But you know what else is out there? Catholics. A lot of them are Catholics, okay? That's true. So that means that every week, whenever they go to Mass, and it's time to take communion, mm-hmm. they're faced with a real choice. Do they want to maintain their keto diet, or do they want to, you know, consume the body of Christ and cleanse himself of their sins or whatever it does? Well, I don't know if you know this, but the uh, body of Christ spell, it actually transmogrifies the crackers into human flesh. So that's just protein. <laughs> it's true. Now, if that is the case, then it is just protein. Yep. You're right. Just drinking protein. <laughs> But let's say that there's some people out there that don't quite believe in the whole transmogrification, whatever it's called, oh, transmorphosizing. Yeah. Now, this right. is where we step in with our brand new product, Keto Christ. Okay, Keto Christ. Spelled with two K. Very catchy right. that way. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's it. It's a no-carb, no-sugar alternative to the body of Christ. Right. <laughs> you got to request it special from your priest every week. <laughs> This yes. is going to change people's lives and get them into the pearly gates 100%. with a six-pack of abs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got ripped-ass Jesus on the box, of course. <laughs> I mean, Jesus didn't get that jacked eating all those carbs and stuff. We know that. You wouldn't think so, no. <laughs> Welcome, dead and lovely listeners, to your absolute favorite horror movie review podcast and all the multiverse. Why, it's me, your good old-fashioned, quarantined Uncle Ben and... Who's that long-distance friend of mine I got on the other end of this Skype call here? It's me, bunkered in, Hollywood Steve. <laughs> now, you're my good friend, but I don't want to be anywhere near you. You might be bugging nope. out. You might have the That's, shit. <laughs> you might be bugging out. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. That is, if I do get sick, that's how I'll announce it. Hashtag hey, bugging out. I'm bugging out. <laughs> Crazy times, man. Every time we go out and like, you know, take the dog out or whatever, everybody looks at each other on the street like we're all the characters like in the thing. We're all looking at each other like, is it you? Are you yeah. the one? Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's crazy time, man. But you know what? We've actually not been able to go out and walk the dog very much for the past couple days because the other night we took her over to the dog park late at night while nobody was there. We were throwing the old B-A-L-L for her. I can't say that word because she's laying in the floor yeah. next to me here. She'll get all excited. Oh, I get it. And uh, she tore her CCL, which is basically the dog equivalent of the ACL. Yeah. So uh, Kate took her into the vet. They did some x-rays and stuff and said that's what it is. So she is on, like, you know, bed rest basically for the next six weeks. I mean, usually usually it leads to a surgery, you know, to have have that repaired. Uh, Yeah. We're going to take her back in a couple of days for another consultation, see how she's doing. But poor thing, man. Bless her heart. That's my doggy girlfriend there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is your girl right there for sure. I think yep. she misses she's you. Always, I miss her for sure. She's she's oh. always got good kisses. <laughs> she's got plenty <laughs> of them for you. That's true. How you dealing with things this week, Steve? You doing good? Yeah, man. This was, uh, I just, you know, completed first full week of of body weight and, and band exercises. Yeah. 
first thing, uh, I hurt myself twice with bands. I hurt myself with <laughs> bands. <laughs> just just to see if I could still feel. That's what it was all about, honestly. Oh, the answer is you can apparently feel, and it's painful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it felt like getting punched in the face once, and then uh, one time uh, just slapped in the foot. Uh, this is the unheard decided third to start verse of the song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I slapped my foot <laughs> with bands. <laughs> but uh, yeah, other than that, man, it's been awesome. I actually, uh, I figured out some ways to get some cardio in. I'm punching a heavy bag. I'm walking with a weighted backpack. Okay. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah. good. Good stuff, man. You've been staying busy, man? get you man? outside. Yeah, doing tons of stuff. I I've been working on the the new podcast. The preview episode came out. Preview episode was really just an advertisement for the show. <laughs> it's like one minute, uh, but it was to get a placeholder for the the podcast title so that I could submit it to to Apple. Well, that sounds good, man. I'm really excited to hear how that thing progresses and the people get learnt about the history of horror with old Steve Reno on Legacy of Brutality. Me too, Ben. I'm 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 uh pretty confident in my ability to do the info part and the tainment part. Info putting them together, mm. I am not so confident on. Got it, got it. That can yeah. be a tricky feat, man. A tricky feat. That's true. I had about thirty minutes of outtakes. Uh, if you listen <laughs> to that one minute preview. You'll be like, how did he have outtakes? It was was it just him stumbling over his obviously written out statements? <laughs> no, it was me doing fake phone calls with myself. Um, for some reason, that's what I fall back on. <laughs> that's always your go-to, uh, isn't it? Yeah, it's my go-to. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, I had a fake phone call from a guy named Brooklyn Pizza, um, <laughs> who wanted me to know. First off, I'm walking here. Okay. Oh yeah, that's very yeah. important. Yeah. I, I I don't know what was going on there. I should have kept all that stuff and posted it, but <laughs> I posted the thing that just said what the show's about. I don't know why. Well, it sounds fun. It sounds like you had some fun doing yeah. those those prank those prank phone calls. God damn, why is that hard to say? Frank phone calls. Pra- Frank phone calls. <laughs> I know that guy. <laughs> Frank phone calls. Yeah, I've been keeping busy as fuck too, man. I've been teaching so many Skype lessons, making the YouTube oh, yeah? videos and all that stuff, which I'm, I'm very happy to be busy right now. That is by no yeah. means a complaint, considering more and more people are out of work. I'm glad to be yes. good and busy. But, you know, we have had ourselves a little bit of downtime to watch some stuff this week, try out a couple of new things, check out some stuff on the TV while we relax in the evenings. Uh, we started watching one thing that is kind of the hot topic show that everybody's sort of talking about right now. Hot topic, which is uh, Tiger King on Netflix. Oh right! And we watched the first episode, and I was kind of like, mm, and Kate was like, "This is definitely not for me." And yeah. I'll tell you what, man, if it was just about crazy redneck method people from florida feuding with each other i'd be like okay cool i'm on board with this but right there's also like tons and tons of innocent animals involved right that seem to be being mistreated by various means mm-hmm. by various people on the show i just don't know if i can really like support that and give that views yeah. and tell netflix yes more of this please yeah i i it just doesn't draw my interest yeah. Because of that, really. I, I was just like, I don't want to see messed up rednecks with tigers. 
Well, maybe it's like more entertaining if you didn't grow up around it. I mean, whenever they started talking about that zoo out towards uh, South Carolina, I was like, oh, we drive by that huge, you know, the billboards and stuff for this animal reserve, zoo, exotic animal, petting zoo, whatever, on the way to the beach Mm -hmm. like every year. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of hit a little too close to home. I mean, I understand everybody's watching it because the characters are like, they're basically like real life Christopher Guest characters. They seem like people that were written into like Best in Show (laughs) or something. Yeah, the clips I've seen and the pictures I've seen, that they, yeah, they're wild. <laughs> I just they're can't really su- support something that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I get off it. of the mistreatment of animals. I'll put it that way. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I, I'm not a big fan. Won't be watching it. No, I did watch something really fun though last week. I forgot to mention it on uh, the last episode of the show. I was finally, because of quarantine, able to sit in on a Friday night streaming chat with you and the game. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. We watched Demons. That's right, which was which awesome. Which is a fun old time, yeah. You've seen that one before, right? Yes, I had, and I was mixing it up with Demons 2, uh, which is also awesome. I haven't seen They're Demons 2. They're both really fun. You haven't? Oh, no. my gosh. Demons 2, I like the design of the Demons and Demons 2 is so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta see it. Does it have that entirely ridiculous Italian horror movie vibe from the 80s that I love so much? Oh, the movie? Yes. The <laughs> The design of the demons, though, was like, for me, it was like, wow. Because it just stands out among Italian ridiculous movies as being specifically, like, really amazing makeup, but also, like, uh, a completely different sort of horror than you normally see from Italian directors yeah yeah so it was uh i I like demons one i think i love demons too killer man yeah i really enjoy it i i enjoyed watching the movie but also just hanging out with everybody and chit-chatting and stuff it's a really great way to like stay in touch with your friends and stuff during these times i mean i know a lot of people are just complete social butterflies and really really have to get together with people and see their friends all the time so that they can get away uh-huh. from whatever they're dealing with at work or at home or whatever. Yeah. So I realized for a lot of people getting together and watching a movie on Discord with us or just, you know, Skype calling somebody and watching a show with them together or just chatting or whatever is what's going to get all of us through this shit, you know? So it's really yeah. fun to participate in that. I had a good time. Yeah, me too. We uh, just had it again last night. Yeah. And we watched Body Bags. Awesome. Which was originally supposed to be a tales from the crypt type of show on showtime in in which john carpenter would play the crypt keeper essentially oh nice (laughs) yeah uh so john carpenter does the the crypt keeper role and there it's an anthology with like three different tales you get to see luke skywalker in there no doubt yeah a mark hamill he's called Uh (laughs) uh-huh yeah so uh it's it's not the best anthology ever but for sure the last two stories are interesting and have been done on a simpsons treehouse of horrors which means they're important okay that must mean so yep (laughs) right on i have to get around to watching it man i was actually unable to watch it with you guys last night i was re-watching ready or not for today's episode and i'll tell you what the second time around, still fucking awesome. Second it is. time around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and for anybody that wants to join us on that Friday night streaming chat, you can join up totally for free. Uh, it doesn't cost oh, yeah, a dime yeah. to do it. We do it 
what every Friday at what time? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Nine p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we chat on Discord and we stream something from YouTube on a site called Watch Together. Uh, if you can sit down and watch it on your laptop or whatever, you can use Watch Together. If not, you can just press play whenever we press play on the YouTube video. That's right. Come hang out with us and get through these trying times. Uh, the other thing that I watched this week that was really awesome was a recommendation of yours on the YouTube. Oh, right. And if you're into video games and stuff, I cannot mm -hmm. recommend this enough. The channel is, was it Steve? Is it Summoning Salt? Yeah, Summoning Salt. He's a speedrunner slash YouTuber. And just historian of video yeah. games and major video game accomplishments and stuff. The video specifically that I watched was his video about the history of Punch-Out! speedruns. This is Mike Tyson's yeah. punch out for NES. Dude, it was gripping. Like, it was absolutely yeah. fascinating. Absolutely. And I love how he goes into all the specifics about, like, how the clock works and how randomized uh -huh. the game is. Like, that's one of the things that really got me about watching this video when he talks about how, how randomized the opponents are. Because, yeah. like, in Super Punch-Out for Super NES, which is one I got really oh, yeah, into... It's the same every it's time. Every single time, exact same. But I don't know exactly what they were thinking when they were programming this, you know, comparatively primitive NES game that made it yeah. so fucking unpredictable. But it's one of those yeah. things, too, that also confirmed my suspicions because I remember playing Mike Tyson's Punch-Out when I was a kid and being uh -huh. like, okay, this is how I beat him last time. What the fuck? Now he threw this punch this time? What's what's going on here? This is completely different from what I remember. Yeah. It made me think I was losing my mind. Yeah, and the the thing about Summoning Salt's videos that's so like amazing is like he I think you don't have to care about speedrunning Mike Tyson's punch out or anything to be engrossed in the way he tells the story. Yeah. He, he sets this up as this basically this guy in like 2004 had set all of these times as like the record in speedrunning. And then nobody tried to compete with it for like a decade. Yeah. And then when people came back and started competing with it, they found out how like impossibly amazing those times were and like how hard it was to actually like find a way to beat those times. And some of them they didn't beat. They just hide. It's insane. But like, yeah. And then like uh, what I, I really like the very ending, which is that you find out that his the record time for beating mike tyson is now held by the guy who made the video summoning salt that's <laughs> like, way cool yeah, it's a real cool like ending there yeah dude i, I kind of went down that rabbit hole and i started watching through some of his like mario kart and like castlevania videos yeah. and stuff last night too they're so in-depth and awesome yeah and it's nuts because they're they're long they're like an hour long yeah. and the time mm -hmm. just flies by watching yeah, he's these things. very good at storytelling just so good but i love too how it goes into such detail about these people that are just breaking the game i mean finding any <laughs> little crack in the coding that they can uh yeah. to exploit something or make something that's not supposed to happen happen yeah i think it's really amazing and i really get into that kind of shit too i love me too i always love playing games and looking for the glitches and basically trying to make yeah. the game break you know yeah so it's fun. very fun. Yeah, I can't <laughs> recommend that guy's channel enough. And he's got like a bajillion subs off of like 30 or 40 videos. Those are yeah. usually the ones where you know the quality is nuts. It's when they have those yeah. kinds of numbers. 
off of relatively few videos. Uh, it, he and there's another, the gaming historian, I recommend checking out the gaming historian. He also does that where like he, he only posts a video every couple months or so, but wow. the quality is way up there. Right on, man. I yeah. gotta check that out. Were you telling me that you were watching some other good stuff on YouTube this week? Uh, yeah, I, uh, we've never really talked about this. We've talked about Good Mythical Morning a million times, but like they have a new channel, Mythical Kitchen, and I, I love it. Because it combines uh, two things that I really like, which is uh, cooking and absurdity. <laughs> A lethal like, combo. Yeah, they keep making the weirdest things, and it's awesome. And I I highly recommend it. The mythical chef, Josh, he's super charming and good at his job. But like, it, it's also about like the weird things they come up with. Like They decided to make a flaming hot... Pocky the other day, like do you know Pockies? <laughs> yeah, totally, of course. Yeah, like Asian. Yeah, so it was like a stick candy, a, a mix, like a combo of like, uh, oh, it was a Taki Pocky. That's what it was. So it was a combo of Takis and Pockies. Oh, okay, awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it apparently tasted terrible, but like it, it, it's really creative and fun to watch them like come up with the idea and like or come up with how they're gonna execute the idea and stuff. Yeah, no doubt, man. I'm kind of wondering how good Mythical is going to do things, considering that it's always those two guys together. I mean, I assume they probably have a oh, backlog right. of several months worth of content, usually filmed in advance. Yeah, they well, they had uh, that whole like been in or the the ice cream thing just recently that they obviously had filmed in advance because it was like a March Madness thing, and March Madness had been canceled. Oh almost yeah. A month ago. yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah. But I wonder what they're going to do when they like run out of of content you know yeah that, that's uh I, I don't know like it, it's gonna be because i i know like some other channels like bon appetit i've seen them doing stuff like basically having chefs do stuff at home and shoot it at home actually mythical kitchen one of their most recent episodes was josh at home filming himself so like i don't know i don't know how they're gonna do it Interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting yeah. to see how this whole thing plays out, too, because yeah. I also assume that the production of, like, every movie is halted right now, too. Yeah, I mean, everything is. I, like, I found myself last night because, like, and I'm, I'm not, I don't want to shit on other podcasts, uh, but, like, podcasts that I normally listen to are kind of unlistenable now, some of them, because... Yeah. They're recording the way we're recording right now, but they're not editing the way we edit. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. They're not putting the tracks together and getting rid of the blips. <laughs> like, right. They're just releasing the tracks synced up. And so there's a, a whole lot of like, what'd you say? Huh? Yeah. What oh, was man, that? I, I hate that shit. And it's not that yeah. hard to edit that stuff out, especially no. considering how much free time we all have now. <laughs> exactly <laughs> get it right guys get it right yeah <laughs> watch anything else good uh yeah uh, emily and i the other night started season 14 of always sunny nice which is great of course I, I, yeah. I think we got like six episodes and it it's awesome killer Wonderful. man yeah they they don't stop on that show man they no. continually just keep the bar set insanely high yep. the subject of our show today of course is none other than Freddy or Not, which came out Freddy 2019, or not. right? Yep, Freddy or Not, it's called. Freddy or Not. Yeah, <laughs> is, 2019. Is Mike getting that? Freddy? Freddy? I think it is. I hear it. Freddy? <laughs> which, you know, the premise of this game is it's, uh, the premise of this movie is that it's this family that's kind of obsessed 
with some board games and stuff. It's a gaming family, you know, and I love myself a board game. Do you enjoy Me a too. board game, Steve? Uh, uh, yes and no. Um, <laughs> I am extremely competitive, so I refuse to play Monopoly for sure. Oh, Monopoly is made to start fights with your friends and family. Yep. Let's be honest, yep. dude. It is. It absolutely is. It's entirely made to uh, cause rifts in families. <laughs> but that actually like, kind of was the point about it. The point of it was to teach people about how bad monopolies were and how like the economic system was corrupted. And then it was bought out by a major corporation who was like, ha, 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 fuck you. <laughs> so like... I, I can't play Monopoly, I can't play Risk, I can't play games like that because I'm too competitive, but if I play with people who are also competitive, then I can do it. Okay, I, I can't it. do it. I can't do it with people who aren't competitive because I feel bad. There are like, some games, though, where if everybody's not on the same page, it, it yeah. gets to be a pain in the ass. Like, if a couple sure. people are taking it serious and then one person is just kind of like, oh, whatever, that's yeah. annoying. Well, it, it can kind of become like a class project or something, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I also, uh, I do love, though, trivia games or word games like Scattergories or Balderdash. I love yeah. Trivial Pursuit, stuff like that. Those Scattergories is absolutely one of my faves. And yeah. I was thinking, too, one of the bonus things about Scattergories, totally going to try this out this week. You can play that shit over Skype. Absolutely. Right? 100% you could. Yeah. So that's something that we're probably going to try to do this, huh. this week, I think. That's There's a, a couple cool other ones I've been thinking of that you could play over Skype. You could do Taboo over Skype. For sure, yeah. Charades. Uh-huh. Or charades, if you're fancy. <laughs> oh, I'm not fancy then. <laughs> I, I'm not either. <laughs> uh, Kate and I have also been playing a new game this week called Quirkle. Have you seen Quirkle? No, I haven't. Kate What's found it Quirkle online. All about? It, it's one of those ones that was on like every list of like top 10 new you know board games. It's not yeah. really like a board game. It's it's more of like a pieces game, like a dominoes kind of thing where you got tiles. Oh, uh, you know? okay. I do like those games too a lot. Dom I like dominoes really like or um, uh, what's that other one? The, the one mahjong with like the black, or something. The one with the black. Oh yeah, mahjong. The one with the black and white like little pebbles. What is that called? Oh, uh, go. Yes. That. Yeah, it's like an ancient game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's real. My friend fun. Thomas just got obsessed with that out of nowhere. That's like his, his yeah. jam right now. Is that? It's a cool game. Yeah. So with yeah. Uh, with Quirkle, it's really fun. It's kind of like you have all these different colored tiles that you have to lay down that have uh, six different shapes and six different colors. So it'll have, you know, a purple diamond or a blue cross, stuff like that, right? Yeah. And you lay out the pieces to form essentially like poker hands where it can be, you know, of a kind or straight, basically, right? Mm-hmm. And you connect them with each other, kind of like dominoes. Really fun game. I totally recommend it, especially if you're cooped up inside with somebody you like to play games okay. with. Check out yeah. Quirkle with a Q for quarantine. Yeah, sounds interesting. It's really fun. For quarantine. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but of course, Steve, what we got to do here before we get into the review of the movie is to step inside the preview palace. Welcome to the preview palace. And we got to find out which board game is our lives. Is our <laughs> lives, I said. I didn't see this before. <laughs> I didn't see this before, but the uh, quiz I found is sponsored by Hasbro. So oh, I'm no. guessing we're going to get a Hasbro game. But I think this is perfect for the message of the movie. So let's go with it. <laughs> I think so, man. Now, our first question right here is how do you roll? We got a couple options here. One uh, of them looks like the, the Popomatic, like yeah, Popomatic pop Trouble. That thing's fun to push down on. Yeah, it is. Then we got just die. Traditional old dice. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. right. We got a twister wheel, and lastly, that supremely satisfying 
clicky spin wheel that you have in the game of life. Yeah. How do you roll? Uh, how do I roll? I, I love the spin wheel. I love the game of life spin yeah. wheel. It's one of my faves. Yeah, dude. Me too. That's always a really fun one. Uh, I, I also enjoy spinning that fucking thing, but I'm going to go with that Pompomatic. I never yeah. owned Pompomatic Trouble, but goddamn, I just couldn't stop mashing that thing whenever somebody mashing had it. it. Quit mashing, mashing on it. On it. <laughs> he, she's mashing it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do we got next, Steve? Your friends describe you as focused, competitive, clever, energetic, witty helpful i think i'm gonna choose focus out of those probably okay. even to to a fault <laughs> all right yeah yeah i can see that um i'll say witty i'm gonna go yeah. with witty i kind of tell people that about you all the time They're like steve steve who and i'm like witty steve they go oh, oh steve with the that's wits. the one that's oh the wits one. guy <laughs> all right steve what do you think of the rules you follow them they're necessary there are no rules. Mm -hmm. Rewrite them, memorize them, and use them to win, or mm -hmm. eh. Memorize them and use them to win. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. That's yeah, what that's, I do. That's kind of the way to do it, man, because yeah. if you don't know the rules, you can't exploit them and crush oh. the opposition. Exactly. I'm going to say the rules are necessary, because that's what makes the game fun. If you could just do sure. anything yeah. for any reason, yeah. there's no rules. That is, that is the very root of a game. You have to yeah. have the rules first to play it. Yep. That's right, man. All right, Steve, what do we get next? If there is a tie, what should happen? Sudden death. Everybody wins. I win, duh. Flip a coin. I like the intensity of that sudden death. Like, that's yeah. where things get really highly intense. And that's always something that I enjoy when it comes down to the wire and the adrenaline is a pumping and that final yeah. flip of the dice or roll of the cards. That's what I live for. Yeah, I mean, that seems like the only option to me if there's a tie. I guess it depends on the game, though. I guess if I were playing Monopoly with people that I didn't want to play Monopoly with because they don't care about the game, and we got to the end, and it's like, what do we do? I'd say everybody wins. Yeah. It's the easiest way to get out of that, right? <laughs> Just, <laughs> yeah, so. Everybody wins, whatever. <laughs> All right, Steve, I need you to pick a superpower. You got to have a telekinesis, the power right. of flight, Hyperintelligence, seeing the future, elasticity, or super strength? Uh, seeing the future. That sounds that, pretty handy. Yeah. What about you, Ben? Man, I'm going to go with a telekinesis. I want to be able to lift stuff up with the power of my mind. Yeah, and I'll see that you're going to do it in the future and knock it out of the sky. You know, the thing about it is, Boom, though, is when we enemies. think about... Take that. <laughs> when we think about somebody that has, like, the power of telekinesis and you're thinking about, like, Gene Gray or you know yeah. whoever whoever your favorite X-Men is or whatever honestly if any of us had the power of telekinesis we would probably become like the biggest fattest nastiest blobs on oh, earth 100% <laughs> what do you gotta That's do? Actually Pick something up with your hands that would be the best update of the blob character is not that yeah. his fatness is his power it's that he's a blob power. because he has telekinesis 
<laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't picking nothing up. I'll yeah, use my not line. a damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> like every issue is is the writer trying to figure some way to paint him into a corner and then some way to get him out. Like eventually <laughs> he just lifts up the entire world and moves it so that like he cures climate change so he doesn't have to worry about it. Like, <laughs> What if eventually his downfall is like he gets to be so fat that he can't even pick himself up anymore? <laughs> I can lift everything except but myself. For myself. <laughs> it's a tragic character. That's fucking Shakespearean right there, man. Trademark Dude, that I lovely. want that now. Seriously, Marvel, hire us to write a blob solo movie. <laughs> it's a reimagining, dude. Dude, that'd be awesome. <laughs> All right. Uh, how does victory taste, Ben? Mm. Sweet, familiar, like a million bucks, satisfying. I'm just gonna go with sweet. It's just yeah. too sweet, as they used to say in the Razzlin days. Too sweet. I, uh, I do not necessarily have a ton of luck when it comes to games, like especially card yeah. games and stuff like that. The winning cards oh, don't yeah. often come my way. Like mm -hmm. Kate's a natural gambler and her dad yeah. is too because they both have unreal luck in cards. So gotcha. whenever I actually do get, you know, the right stuff playing my way, the right roll of the dice and I win, yeah. it's just too sweet. I tend to avoid games where luck is heavy. Like, I, I just hate that aspect yeah. of it. If I can't control it, it's like, fuck that. Oop. Yeah, like a roulette or something. Like, how can you get yeah. good at that? You can't. Like, the the only game worth playing at a casino is blackjack. That's the only, where, only one where if you develop enough, like, card counting ability and, like, the right instincts... You have a little more than half, or per, like, uh, like fifty percent chance of winning. Yeah, yeah. But even then, it's still like I wouldn't. That's like so far out of control. I couldn't handle it. Uh, no, for me, huh? victory tastes satisfying. Yeah. There you go. So, what about defeat, Steve? Have you never tasted it? Is it bitter? <laughs> eh. Or I'm just happy to play. Mm, at this point, eh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like it feels, it feels nice and satisfying to win. And then if I don't win, it's like, eh, whatever. I'll play what again, mean, man. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's not the end of the end of the world. It's just a game. Yeah. Dude, I'm just it, happy I, to play. I'll be honest with you though. This is in regards to board games or card games. I have definitely still have that rage with video games where it's like, what the <laughs> motherfucking shit? <laughs> You're shaking the controller up and down yeah. and stuff. Just like, I fucking hate that shit. Yeah. You know what the thing is, though? It's so much less appealing these days to like do the, the old school classic rage controller fit because everything's right. wireless now. Like back in yeah. the day, you'd, you'd whip that wire and you'd see like the, you know, the shock waves going through uh -huh. all the way back to the console or slapping the carpet that made it so satisfying to do that. True. You don't get anything out of it these days. Yeah. And also like the controllers are so fragile now that if you do throw them you have to go buy a new one those nes controllers were indestructible like the, yeah they were like those old nokia brick phones where it was just like you yeah you go ahead and throw it it's not gonna matter <laughs> yeah exactly put a dent in the wall why don't you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i said at this point i'm just happy to play man it's all about the journey not the destination sweet uh <laughs> pick your game partner ben we have a sleuth Ooh, a sleuth. some brits say an owl, a fox, a hamster, an otter, and uh, huh, is that an octopus? Octopus, yes. At first, I thought that was a butt plug. 
And I was like, what an That's odd my game partner. Combo. Yeah. <laughs> partner up. You know, I was going to choose the otter for the reason that otters are such efficient hunters the, that they have time to play. Oh, I was going to say because they're fucking adorable. But they go ahead. Are. I would also love just to yeah. hang out with one. Uh, but apparently octopi are incredibly yeah. intelligent. They're super intelligent, yeah. Plus, you know, with all those arms, they could easily like hide some cards under the table or yeah. you know, get an extra dice or something like that. They could probably cheat really good, I think. Yeah. So that's a good choice. Uh, I'm going to go with Otter because it's yeah. adorable. <laughs> Look at them. <laughs> They're so cute. All right. Would you cheat to win, Steve? Maybe. I have never or of course. Um. Well, shit, this is blowing up my spot. Of course. <laughs> no, uh, no, no. I well, I won't in uh, trivia games, and I used to in Monopoly. So let's say I have, but I but don't in anymore. Recovery. Yeah, I'm in recovery. <laughs> but as a kid, fuck yes, fucking like stealing five hundreds from the bank when nobody's looking. It's all about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this brings up an interesting thing too, because on the of course photograph. It looks like it's a lady, like, seductively biting her lower yeah, lip, right? Like, of course. You want to have sex? What? <laughs> now, why is it that the biting of the lower lip is so much more alluring than the biting of the upper lip? <laughs> Significantly mm. less alluring, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> hey. You want to see what I'd look like if I were a bulldog? Mm. <laughs> yeah, really? Like, that just does not do it for anybody. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> I'm going to go with a never. I actually don't cheat, man. I, I don't yeah. like cheating at games Good and call. stuff. Never have. Good call. <laughs> All right, Steve. What's your secret weapon? This gotcha. is our last question here. Is it your dexterity, your charming personality, mm. visual brain? Does that mean like your brain is exposed? I think that, that would be very harmful to your yeah. game playing ability. Your ruthlessness, physical strength, or extensive vocabulary? Huh. I... Hmm. I would say in in the game, the competitive games, it would be my ruthlessness. But in games like Trivial Pursuit, Pursuit, you ever heard Pursuit. of that game? Trivial <laughs> that's Pursuit. your sense of vocabulary. It that's where right there. my my externsive vocabulary comes in. <laughs> vocabulary. So, and those are the only games I really play anymore. So I'll say extensive vocabulary. Right on, man. Yeah, that's not a bad choice right there. You know, I'm with you, too, because it does greatly vary for me as well. Because if we're talking about a video game or something like that, it's definitely my dexterity. Got that good hand-eye coordination. Oh, yeah. But I'm going to say that my charming personality does get me my own way as I want it quite often. Oh, yeah. You Are you one of those people who gets the rules bent for them? Yeah, sometimes. Because <laughs> I'm cute and I bite yeah. my upper lip at people and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, like you <laughs> land on boardwalk, but the person who has boardwalks, like, you just get me next time. <laughs> yeah, exactly like that. That's how it always goes. All right, Steve, what game are you? I got Monopoly. Oh, uh, look at you. Of course you I'm did. I'm a slow and steady sort, I guess, like a turtle. Uh, you take your time, you strategize, you're good at trading, and you know that there's more to life than dealing with what the dice give you. That is true. I mean, that is actually my strategy in Monopoly for sure. Uh, ah. there are, are, there are properties worth buying and there are properties not worth buying. And you know your opponent immediately if they buy Baltic or Mediterranean. Yeah? Yeah. You know. What's that say about them? It says you're going to beat them. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. Well, Steve, apparently I am nothing but trouble. Oh, shit. I love uh -oh. trouble. That is, but that is like one of those no control games. 
Yeah, it kind of is, man. Yeah. Assertive much? Hey, it's not a bad thing, but you definitely go after what you want. And the people mm-hmm. who don't understand that are just haters. Yeah, that's true, Ben. <laughs> I mean, I don't really know how I got that from my answers, frankly. I don't either. I was going to say, what? What Doesn't led a lot it to believe to that about you? <laughs> I don't know, but that's what it says. So we got to believe the All wizards right, and witches over at BuzzFeed. It. All right, well, in this case, it's Hasbro. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> You're welcome, Hasbro, for the free commercial. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Steve, before we get into the movie review here, I got to crack myself open a cold one. See if you can hear this crisp, clean, refreshing snap of a cold can from the depths of my fridge. Okay. Oh, I heard it. Oh, man. Uh, You know what I just cracked open right here? What'd you just cracked open? A new kids on the flock from my good friends over (laughs) at the Pretentious Brewing Company who are in limited operation right now in the quarantine. They're only doing two-go sales but you know what? That's, that's, awesome. a, that's a great thing. I love that so many of our breweries and stuff like that are buckling yeah. down and be like, you know what? People still need a co-beer. We're going to provide it to them. And if you guys have some breweries in your town that are doing the same thing right now, give them your fucking money. You know what, Ben? Uh, you know what I might have to do is what? make a little trip downtown. Taking a trip downtown. <laughs> uh <laughs> Make a little trip downtown and pick up a beer from Pretentious that you also pick up so we can compare it on the show. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. And while I'm there, you could hand out some of the duplicate beers that people have sent oh, and we could start having idea. beer on the show again. That would be nice, man, because I do miss having myself a yeah. cool beer here on the show. You yeah, know? for real. I'll tell you this. This new kids on the flock is absolutely fucking up awesome it is a yeah. smooth velvety citrusy sounds uh, great new england style ipa it's very oh, yeah. orange heavy man it is a delight it's a hazy beast nice and just, code Ooh. let me get a sip of what i'm drinking on it's a kroger brand seltzer water zero calories caffeine free Ooh. oh man well, that's that sounds, crisp that bubbly. sounds crisp mm-hmm <laughs> Well, Steve, the subject of our show today is Ready or Not, which came out in 20 and 19, yep. and I believe that you had seen this movie before uh-huh. this podcast, right? Yeah, yeah, I, uh, it, it was one that, you know, people had uh, been recommending, and as soon as it, it got out, I watched it and loved it immediately. I've seen it a few times since. I watched it with my wife, and I've watched it a few times for this it holds up each time. It's a really well-paced, really well-constructed movie. And yeah. just immediately, like, when I watched it that first time, I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. Like, you could tell pretty quickly oh, that yeah. the, the tone of the movie was already different. Dark yeah, yeah. and fun at the same time. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It kind of has sort of that same vibe that I got from when I watched, like, let's say, like, Cabin in the Woods for the first time. Right. Where you go in, like, not maybe expecting it to be that certain tone, but then once the movie starts, you're like, oh, it's one of these kinds of movies. Okay, cool. It's just kind of different from what I expected, is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. You know? And this movie, I I watched it for the first time the other night for the show, and then, like I said, I rewatched it last night. Uh, you know, just to recap and stuff, make sure I didn't miss any details. And sometimes whenever I rewatch movies for the show, I'm kind of like, oh, I'd rather watch something else, but I really need to do this for the show, so whatever, I'll just put this on, kind of begrudgingly, right. you know? 
This yeah. I was so stoked to rewatch. Like I would rewatch yeah. this again tonight. You know, that's awesome. Really fun flick, man. I enjoy it quite a lot. So, Steve, what do you think are some of the inspirations for this movie and where it comes yeah. from? Well, it, it's definitely inspired by Clue. That's pretty clear. It seems with the you know, for the, sure the secret passages and all this stuff and the various weapons and things and the but, board game basis obviously yeah and the board game basis it's it, it's similar in ways to knives out but i i don't think it's inspired by knives out um i i would assume not since they both came out around the same time yeah uh, and i still haven't seen knives out but i always feel like these two movies mentioned in mm. the same breath by people yeah, uh, it seems like they both just kind of like it was, you know, it's like Dante's Peak and what is it, Volcano all over again. Right. <laughs> but I, I do think now that I think about it, that Knives Out is based off of a, a book. So maybe it's somewhat inspired by by Knives Out. But again, it's it's uh, sufficiently different in, in so many ways. But I, I also found something and this is just by happenstance. I uh, I will often play just some show that i've seen before while i'm working out in my office yeah uh and i just had on an episode of american dad and there's an episode in season 12 that is strikingly similar to this in which francine who is an orphan in the show and and was uh, adopted by an asian family uh she searches for her birth father and finds him and he invites her to his house and she finds out he's super rich uh but then of course uh, it's a cartoon so it takes an absurd turn where he's mad at all the family for overusing the family plan and uh (laughs) encourages them all to kill each other okay Uh, there's there's a, a room full of weapons there's a room with uh you know video equipment and all that the first Sounds person to familiar. get killed is an accident, just okay, like yeah, the that... maid who gets accident. Oh, well, the several maids who get accidentally killed in this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, if you watch it, uh, I'm telling you, I think it's called a fam- yeah a family plan was the name of the episode. Uh, go check it out. I again, I'm not saying that like uh, it's just like derivative of that because it is sufficiently different. This movie that uh they're they're just similar in in some ways this movie adds a lot to all of that but i think it may have been part of the inspiration interesting huh and i've heard also a lot of similarities thrown around to um your next right yes yeah it is similar to your next in many ways as well but at the same time i don't feel at all like it's like a ripoff of your next the tone yeah, and attitude no. of this movie is a lot different yeah, this movie definitely like it, it's building off of some things that already exist, but it it uh, it has its own view and its own like uh, ideas being pushed through here. So it, it's it's sufficiently original. Yeah, I think so. And there's a lot of different ways that you can kind of look at what this movie is about and what it's trying to get across. Um, I think that you and I both sort of had different perspectives on this whenever we watched the movie, because to me, whenever I watched it. And you see uh, Grace, played by the amazing Samara Weaving. Yep. You know, she's marrying into this rich, eccentric family. And as she's doing so, she's learning about all their crazy, weird, eccentric traditions where if you're marrying into the family, you have to play this game on the night of the wedding or else they 
all have the superstition that they're all going to die and all this kind of crazy shit. To me, the movie felt like it was mainly about how creepy and how unpredictable and strange it can be joining somebody else's family, marrying into a family and learning about their ways and their traditions and their own dynamics. Uh, that's kind of what I got the most out of the movie, especially considering that uh, Grace comes from a, you know, well, she doesn't come from a family. She was a yeah, foster she's child an orphan. and stuff. Right. So I thought that was kind of the main focus of the movie for me is just how weird it is marrying into a family and yeah. like I said, joining them and learning their traditions and stuff. Yeah, I would say so. I'd say that's uh, probably the like real initiating idea behind all this. But then it is also playing out uh, the issues of wealth inequality and oh, yeah. uh, the issues of, of uh, essentially uh, the rich knowing how bad it is to not be rich and instead of doing something about that clinging to being rich instead of being like oh that's that's an issue they cling to the thing that is the problem because mm. their life is so good that they would i mean they they say it in this i'd rather die than go back to my my former life says one of the people who married into this yeah. And it's like that that is basically the impetus behind the family's actions is that they they would rather kill someone than lose everything they have. And well, let's look at it this way too. It's not only a statement on that, but it's also a statement on people that aren't well off would rather sell out all of their morals and stuff like that yes. and join this crazy fucked up family that kills people than be poor. Exactly. Yep. You so, know, it, so it's, it's it, not just like rich people are corrupt. It's like it's more like well, money no, corrupts everybody. No, what I'm saying is that wealth inequality is the issue. There is that yeah, if yeah, the wealth. Yeah. In, so, so yes, rich people are the problem because <laughs> because they're wealth. They're the creators of wealth inequality. So, like the the money is always like I think that we use money as a way of abstractifying actual people who have billions of dollars will we'll put it off on money like well like uh, it's it's all like this abstract stuff like yeah he's worth that much money but he doesn't have access to that money and stuff like I, we have to put it on people we have to put mm -hmm. it directly where it lies the people with the amount of money that they have are the people who make the laws that create the wealth inequality that continue the abject poverty that people are trying to avoid and fear. Right. So, like, they would rather put it off on anything. So they can, again, be like, money is the root of all evil or whatever. But then it's like, well, if money is the root of all evil, why don't you, who have the money, say, I'm going to remove this evil. I'm going to eliminate that evil. They will not do that because they no. are comfortable. They benefit too much. So the money's not where the buck stops. It stops at the people with it. Well, and two, that kind of plays into the thing in the movie that, that you pointed out that is, this is all like a fucking game to them. You know, yep. even though literal human life is on the line, right? this is all about who wins the game and who loses the game and then making yeah. sure that they're not on the losing end, right? Right. And that's why it has to keep that like light, playful tone because it has to invite us in to kind of understand how they feel. Like to them... 
it's all so worth it that this actually isn't even an issue. It's like a funny thing when Emily accidentally kills two mates. It's like not like an issue of killing. It's an issue of maintaining that wealth no matter what. So they, yeah. they don't care who they have to kill if they have to kill. They're, yeah, they're yeah. fine with that. It, and so like the, the tone of the movie helps to convey that and keep it like keep it light while it continually gets darker and darker. Yeah, which is, totally. Like it's a way of keeping an audience going, but the people that are thinking about it while it's going, it, it becomes more disturbing the the light playful tone becomes more disturbing as all these things are happening like as these say like maids are basically sacrificing their lives for these people that don't care about them yeah yeah like all these super disturbing things keep happening but for the family it's just like average stuff yeah this but, is just a, a game to them yeah but it should be horrifying us yeah, that's the thing about the tone of this movie is this very easily could have been a super nihilistic, sadistic trudge of a movie. Like, this could have been yes. very fucking dark, but I <laughs> really like that they kept it playful because yeah. ultimately it's a game. It's like everything in the movie feels like it's focused on keeping a game-like yeah. tone and playfulness about it, yeah. so... I like that they took it in that direction, especially considering that, like you said, you could look at the subject matter very deep, and it gets very yeah. heavy and very dark very fast. Yeah, yeah it does. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, it does such a great job, like uh, it, almost in a lot of ways of mimicking the way a board game goes, where like the game exactly. itself remains a game, but the people involved in the game get more and more intense about it. More invested, for sure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, and one thing that I really like about it, too, is that the way that I see it, the cast of characters in this movie, the cast of, you know, the family that's all in the house right. playing this game, trying to hunt down uh, Grace, they all kind of represent, too, like, different types of game players, like people that you found yourself playing real-life board games with, where, you know, there's the one dude who's like, it's the rules, it's tradition, we gotta play by the rules, and this is how it was, right. and this is how the game was created, so we play it that way, like the father of the family is. Then you also well, have the people that are just like total fucking idiots that don't know what they're doing that are just wild cards like Emily, right? Right. You've got, um, I can't remember his name, but the guy who's always like Googling rules and Googling Fitch. like... That's Emily's husband. Yeah, exactly. He's yeah. the guy that's like always trying to learn more about the game and like Googling strategies and stuff like this. You got the people that take it way too seriously, like the grandmother. You got the people that are also just like, what the fuck ever it's just a game like the uh the brother in the movie is they yeah. all feel like people that i found myself sitting around playing a real board game with you know right yeah i would say that's <laughs> that's very accurate they also the the characters are playing the game in a way that describes who they are as yeah. people yeah like totally the, the brother is not invested in the game because he feels guilty about as a child revealing where uh helene's husband was when they were playing hide and seek mm -hmm. he feels guilty about that and doesn't want that guilt but he also 
doesn't want to die, which she seems to actually believe will happen if they don't kill her before dawn. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, but he's also he also seems like he he seems to not care if he dies in some ways. He's not happy with his life. He's not happy with his wife, uh, who seems you know to be the most gung ho about all this. God, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I I think like each of the characters though, like say uh um what's his name Fitch, he I would say he's googling. He's Googling, but he's not strategizing in yeah, a he's way. he's just a, a moron that doesn't know he's how to He's just play. a moron. Yeah, like he Googles like how to use the crossbow he has. And then he later Googles um, packs with the devil. Real they bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like he, he the whole time is just not invested in the game. But he he's on his phone the whole time. Like totally, dude. definitely that person playing games. Oh but yeah. Yeah, like you're right. Like they do represent like all these different types of players. But it it also has these real like grounded moments where it's very much not a game. Like when she's fighting anytime she's fighting with the butler, like all of those scenes. All the butler scenes are awesome. They are awesome and they're real brutal and they're real like stark in comparison to what's going on with the family because totally. the family is doing it flippantly whereas the butler seems to he he's fighting so like sincerely that it seems like he he's representative of the people who've bought into wealth inequality so much that they defend billionaires oh like, right yeah yeah you know how a whole bunch of people, maybe on the very day that this episode is coming out, are getting kicked out of their apartments because they can't pay rent? Like, yeah, no possibly. Shit. It's, like, absolutely impossible. And a whole bunch of uh, people are, you know, defending the bill that is going to give a whole bunch of money to corporations and just a tiny little pittance to people. Yeah, fucking and cruise ships are getting fucking bailed out. Are you kidding yeah. me? Uh, and, and you see these people on social media who defend like, well, corporations are the people who employ people. And it's like, yeah, but that's not going to be happening for months. Just so you know, they're not going to be employing those people. They've already laid off a ton of people. In fact, 3 million people filed for unemployment. They're, they're in need of immediate finances. Something has to happen now. So the the butler is this guy who comes in and goes, yeah, but what about the corporations? What right, about the yeah. poor billionaires? Oh no! Like <laughs> we got to keep them on top, right? Yeah, and he fights so sincerely for them and gives his life. Yeah, like he, he's he gets disfigured and then gives his life to protect these people who don't care about him at all. Well, and so are the nannies, too. Like, that one yeah. nanny gives up Grace's location before she gets, like, mashed in the dumbwaiter and stuff. Uh-huh. And yeah, it's like it's... you said, like, you know that they're not fucking millionaires either. No, yeah, they're just working for a living, uh, serving rich people. Yeah, they're the help. They're the help, yep. And yeah. that's that's what we all kind of are. I mean, we're part of the system. That's what this is sort of representative of. This family is representative of the system, and the people who work for them are, are all of us because we work for them like 
in some way or fashion we're all s- somehow beholden to a corporation yeah yeah so, i mean at the end of the day it's like yeah i do yeah. this youtube thing blah 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 i'm working for google let's be honest yeah, yeah exactly yeah youtube can decide like well no you don't get money anymore yeah exactly like, they never like they didn't you didn't sign a contract with google when you you start posting videos on youtube that says like you've got any sort of power and you can negotiate with us to get advertising profits it's like here's some crumbs that yeah, we'll get no you. Doubt. yeah yeah so no, you're not wrong that's how the the food chain works right yeah and so like these people are so vehemently fighting to keep the food chain that they don't realize that what they're fighting for is a system that doesn't care about them a system that runs on blood very literally <laughs> very literally yeah like i mean this this movie does not hide what its message is uh that i mean fuck rich people is said in here the the statement of this entire movie fuck rich people it's <laughs> it's amazing that they were able to make this both fun and gruesome horror movie that has a very clear message and demonstrates why that message is true in yeah. a, a good allegorical way. And in a good, but, easily digestible way, too. Like, yes. you could just watch this movie as this woman marries into this family. They're going to yeah. try to kill her because they're crazy. Sure, you, you can, can watch miss, it as that, and that's fine. Yeah. You could miss all the other stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, even and without still the enjoy subject, the movie. It's yeah. still good, right? Right. Now, one thing that you mentioned to me as being a part of this movie is something that I had never heard of before. The invisible hand of... What is it? Ben! The invisible hand of the market! We've all heard of this! What's the deal with the invisible hand of the market? When you go to a market and you can feel someone holding your hand! Is that it? (laughs) That's the very one! (laughs) So, the invisible hand of the market was uh, just a, a proposal of Adam Smith in The Wealth of Nations, which was uh, an 18th century book, the early uh, economics book that Hmm. basically set out how capitalism and the free market worked. So his proposal was that in a free market, people usually tend to produce goods desired by their neighbors. Right? Okay, makes sense. Yeah, yeah so sure. if everybody around uh, wants bread and you bake bread, well, boom, you got a market, right? Okay, makes sense, yeah. Yeah. So that's not what the invisible hand of the market means to economists anymore because they figured out a way to like throw uh, Jesus in there and some praise of billionaires and robber barons to make it mean now... very interesting the idea is now that the invisible hand of the market means that all self-interested labor necessarily benefits society that is to say everything you do to keep yourself up to own a home to uh, feed your family all those things and all the things you do to enrich yourself and make yourself more wealthy, all of those things come back to the public good, and all public goods are produced through self-interested labor. So anything good that happens for the public all comes from self-interested work. 
This okay. is why right. now we have the pre- prevalent philosophy we have where people think, yeah, we have super rich people, but they give money to charity. Okay, that sets it off. That works. Yeah, right? Uh, they they build these great things for the community. They create jobs. They're the ones who make the public good. The people who pursue their own self-interest. That is the invisible hand now. The invisible hand is whatever whim rich people have is what guides the market. <laughs> um, That's refreshing. <laughs> yeah, they changed that. It's crazy. So uh, I know this whole neighborhood thinks they want bread, but what you actually want is a factory you can work at until you die. <laughs> like, ooh, very right? nice. And who makes the money from the factory? Well, the you know, look, okay, so like I had to... I had to buy the land. I had to build oh, the factory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had to yep. make you work. Otherwise, <laughs> got to sign those paychecks. I mean, somebody's got to do it. <laughs> anyway, so now actually, and I think this movie almost makes an argument uh, through the name of the invisible hand in this, which is Mr. LaBelle, uh, that the government itself has almost become the invisible hand in the market. Through, oh, how do you mean? Through bailout. Oh. Part of the idea. The bail. Right. Part of the idea uh, uh, started changing the way that the invisible hand of the market was, was brought about was Darwinism. The idea of survival of the fittest. Well, we've we've flown past that. We oh, yeah. The government subsidizes every supposedly successful industry in America. The yeah. reason why they're they're propped up is because they're given uh, tax relief, they're given subsidies. Whenever they uh, need money, the government will set aside a few trillion dollars. No big fucking deal. You can have it. So uh, I think in some ways that like Mr. LaBelle in this also has that to him. What I'm saying is that the, the government has become that invisible hand in a lot of ways. Like they make sure that these industries are propped up while not caring in the least bit about the people below. Um, and gotcha. So this this movie is is dealing with that invisible hand, and in this case, the invisible hand is an expert at games, which is exactly how one could describe the current uh, uh, market in America. Like, sure. it, it really is just a labyrinth of game rules that some people have figured out how to manipulate. Well, and games are all, you know, typically based on stats and numbers and probabilities. Right. And so is the market. So exactly. it's very much the same thing. Yeah. But, you know, there's also another twist to LaBelle. And could it be mm, Satan? Mm, because LaBelle is an anagram of Belial. Belial! Oh, no! Get out of here, There's Belial. a demon that somebody made up that isn't real. But right. <laughs> it's a thing. Uh, as and this movie has that supernatural twist to it. It does. It does. It it has the. It is in fact a pact with the devil, uh, which I I like that element to I it. Do. Yeah, I think it's cool, man. And I I wasn't expecting it either because the whole time the family is playing this game so hardcore because they believe if they don't uphold the tradition, tradition, yeah, they'll die. Then they'll die. Yeah. yeah. And like a couple of people in the family, are like, oh, it's all bullshit. Like yeah. this isn't really a big deal. But then at the end of the movie. It turns out to be fucking real. Yep. And that was not a twist I was expecting this to take at all, especially Here's, considering whenever they actually like get into the 
the Satanism parts where they're, you know, they've got her on the altar with right. a pentagram on it and stuff. It's all very like silly. Like yeah. it's not like like House of the Devil. Well, where like you're Satanism like, oh, is. Fuck. I mean, honestly, yeah, exactly. Like all that stuff is silly. It's real silly. Yeah. 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 Uh, but then when at the end of the movie, everybody's like, "Oh, nothing's happening." Yeah. And then they just start fucking exploding. Yep. And then I love that little vision that you get of LaBelle in the flame sitting in the chair. And something I noticed this time too is did you notice how whenever Grace sees him in the chair, he nods at her? Yeah. Like to I say, did. like, well played. Yeah. You did. You win. <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I think it's fun too that they could have played the whole movie without that supernatural twist and it would have been fine. But I like that they pinned that on at the very end just to make it even more ridiculous in a way i i i don't think that it was entirely for that i think that it adds to the comedy but i think again just like what i was saying this movie's working on two levels on the darker level it actually is con confirming their fear in a way but it is it is uh it is saying like okay so if if what we're saying is true if this uh, entire economic system is corrupted and obviously some sort of devilry uh what is gonna happen is yes billionaires are going to cease to exist if like if the we're rich gonna, will be eaten yeah if, well they don't have to be eaten but they're they're no longer gonna be billionaires like you'll you will no longer be that rich uh but yeah maybe eaten. i mean they gotta be they gotta be tasty <laughs> yeah <laughs> well fed at least yeah. what do you think about them like blowing up at the end okay so i like i like it in the sense of what i was just saying like the, the allegory that's going on it, it is saying like yeah it, the the billionaires will cease to exist like if, we, if we're gonna fix this system billionaires will cease to exist i hate it in the fact that death means nothing like i understand if you're religious you might think like that these billionaire assholes are now in hell now that they're dead. But as someone who doesn't believe in hell, they got off easy. In fact, yeah, it's the true. easiest they could have got off. They just, poof, ceased to yeah. exist. Sudden death, final round. Yeah, like I, what <laughs> I would like to have seen is them in abs abject poverty. <laughs> having to, Like the ending should have been them fucking eating cans of beans. <laughs> uh, in a cardboard box, but that's actually the, that doesn't work. Uh, like I, I, I'm not saying the ending should be that I'm saying that's what I wanted, but like it doesn't they work. Got off easy. It doesn't work with the allegory because then that, that would be saying, well, we're, we're, we're going to destroy this system to set up another system where people are in abject poverty. Like, no, we can't have that. We just have to say, okay, billionaires will cease to exist, but we, we don't want it to be a oh, you used to be rich. Well, now you have to live in dirt because th that's like the exact opposite of a real change of the system. It's just yeah. flipping who's in charge. And that's mm -hmm. not what we want. We want it to come together. So yeah. I, as much as I wanted them to get what they deserved, I think the ending's really like apropos, like really fits. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I love too that it just contributed some extra absolutely ridiculous over the top gore which uh -huh. this stranger is is no movie to uh, this movie is no stranger to right Shit. this stranger about is it, no this movie stranger to. is no movie to i, I sound like, like the that. fucking the guy in robin Hoodman and tights <laughs> <laughs> the, yes, sheriff. the sheriff the <laughs> sheriff but dude this movie 
so easily could have been a PG-13 flick. Yeah. Like, they yeah. could have made mm-hmm. this without the way over-the-top gore yeah. and violence. And, and they would have yeah, made sold even more, more money. Yeah. I mean, they, they yeah. made a good bit, because the budget on this, surprisingly, only $6 million. Holy shit. For right? Real? That's it's not crazy. a lot. Yeah. Like, I would think renting that house would be a million. Like, yeah. <laughs> that thing is insane. Uh, yeah, like, it, it is amazing that they were able to... I mean, they did it with a lot of uh, lesser-known actors, maybe. I mean, Adam Brody is probably the biggest name in this. Sure, yeah. Uh, and then Samara Weaving. But well, like, Andy, Andy McDowell is a pretty yeah. legendary name. Yeah, I mean, Groundhog Day, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I'll tell you what, Multiplicity. Man. Multiplicity, the, once the again, The wife dude. and Leap Dave Williams, the movie in 30 Rock <laughs> on Leap Day. <laughs> oh, yeah, shit, I forgot about that. Yeah. Man, I'll tell you that what though, man. Like as a kid watching Groundhog's Day, yeah. like a million times over on a Stars free preview uh-huh. weekend. Yep. I never could have dreamt in a million years that I would get to see Andy McDowell's in this role. face get brutally right. smashed in with yeah. a box. <laughs> but you had Dude, always wanted it to happen. <laughs> uh, maybe deep down, I was like, "Yes, this is right. I have always wanted this, haven't I?" Dude, it's that so scene good. where she smashes her face yeah. in is rough. Like yeah. a lot of the other gore in the movie is like kind of comical, like when the people explode. But like, yeah. whenever she smacks her head with that box, it doesn't make like an over-the-top, ridiculous, overdubbed sound effect no. that is not what it would really sound like. No, like, it sounds it sounds realistic. It's that dull mm-hmm. thud yeah. that would happen if you were beating somebody's skull in and screaming yeah. "fuck your family" at them. Dude, it's so raw. It kind of reminded me a little bit of like a lesser version of that guy getting his face smashed in with that fire hydrant in irreversible, you know? Right. It's just rough. Yeah, it, it is. It is rough. And, uh, it is also satisfying. I yeah, think dude. like, cause I, I think that she gets the brunt of the violence in this because, uh, grace connected with her. Like they had similarities. They married into this family. They didn't really have yeah. family coming in. Like she felt connected she even says, to her. You could have been the next me or whatever. Exactly. Like the the idea of that connection and she still is trying to kill her. Like I can understand why her rage would go out in her, but then I also wanted her to at least get to rage out on her, you know, husband. Yeah. Alex, who like <laughs> It's one of those interesting, like, character developments with Alex where he, you want to like him, but you keep reminding yourself that he did this to her. Mm -hmm. Like, if it's just a silly tradition, then it doesn't matter. But it turns out he does really believe in it. Like, that's the root of it he had to do this because he really does believe that he and his family will die if they don't do this yeah and well, so him also choosing the family over her right and, stuff. and and he he didn't tell her whereas like uh uh, uh daniel adam brody he told his fiance before they even went and she was a-okay with it yeah and, and and like that actually that interaction is kind of like really the the moment where the message of the movie other than just fuck the rich is real clear because she says you you know where i come from and you know what i came out of 
I would rather die than go back to that. Which yeah, is kind of yeah. like it's the thing that keeps driving everyone in this to try to kill this completely innocent person because they know how bad it is to not be rich. Yeah, to like, be that person. Right. Like, because, like, we, if you've never been rich, you don't know just how ridiculous their lives are. So you you're not capable of understanding just how much you're being deprived of but the disconnect right. both ways is very real exactly and so the, the rich don't understand how the poor live the poor don't understand how the rich live but the rich are the ones making the rules so it's kind of their fault <laughs> like the, the poor aren't the ones making any laws or uh, sending lobbyists to Washington to make decisions. Speak, speak for them. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it, too, that kind of ties in with the fact that the rules of the game kind of keep changing. They do, they? yes. It, which made me question, when did the rule of hide-and-seek get established? Like, mm-hmm. did Mr. LaBelle tell their great-grandfather, or great-great-grandfather or whatever, like, okay... Here's the deal. If it ever comes up hide and seek, you gotta you gotta kill this person. Or, right, yeah. Or is this a bastardization of what originally happened? Like at some point along the way, did someone marry someone that the patriarch didn't want to be part of the family and just arbitrarily created this idea? Mm-hmm. Uh is is them dying at dawn a punishment for not killing her or a punishment for trying to kill her? Hmm, yeah. Like, yeah. Well, and it also makes you wonder, too, like, what other games could have been drawn and what would those well, rules have well, been Well, I mean, like? they, they said, like, <laughs> Old Maid and Dominoes and stuff like that. So, like, none of those would lead to death. The only one that could possibly lead to death is Hide and Seek, which is like, okay, so why why that one? Um... And did LaBelle create this rule or did they create it themselves? Because it seems like, as as you said, the family tends to warp the rules as the night goes on. Is this like showing us like, oh, this family, they started out with this simple tradition, but as they've become more and more disconnected, they've created this strange, disconnected uh you know murderous tradition hmm, yeah that's a good question yeah did it always involve the murder the yeah. sacrifice right I, I i truly wonder like if this is just bastardization of the original rules like was mr labelle i mean we do see him so he must be some supernatural entity which makes me think well okay then there had to be some twist so it, it's possible that he created the twist. It's also possible they twisted everything to their advantage, which they tend to do. Right. Yeah, it very well could be, man. I also really want to know how they play games like like Crazy 8s and, and bullshit. <laughs> All kinds of stuff. I'd like to see... What if they made a sequel where it's the same setup, but they just get a different game, and then it's just them playing the game? Oh, dude, you know what I want to see them fucking play? Hungry, hungry hippos. How crazy oh, does that damn. game get? Or crocodile? 
What's the one where you're pulling the crocodile's teeth out? Right. Yes. Crocodile dentist, I think it's called. Whatever it's called. Damn it. I can't remember. <laughs> what is their version of Don't Wake Daddy? I bet it is Don't grim. Don't Wake Daddy. <laughs> well, we've already written the grim version of Don't Wake Daddy. It's true, man. No, dude, the sequel that I want to see is fucking Mousetrap. Oh, shit. Just Rube Goldberg yeah. devices out the ass all over the movie. That would be so fun. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that could be really fun. But the problem with the movie would be is that the setup takes forever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that would be it. Like, you'd be waiting the whole time. Like, man, can't wait till they get to those sweet Rube Goldberg devices. And then it would just be the last bit of the movie. Yeah, the last, like, minute and, and then, a half. And then as the basket was coming down to catch them, it would get stuck. <laughs> God damn it. Most unsatisfying <laughs> movie ever. Right. But yeah, you're right. There's there's quite a lot of gore in the movie that didn't even necessarily have to be there, and Samara no. Weaving is definitely receiving the oh. brunt of it. Dude, that scene where she's yeah. out in the barn and that kid shoots her oh. in the hand, blows a hole yeah. straight through her hand, and then she uh-huh. falls, at, once again, basically into that nasty gore pit from Phenomena. That's like the third right. time we've talked except, about this on the show. Except there wasn't water and maggots. It <laughs> it's was a dry just- pit. Yeah, a dry gore pit. Dude, uh, she, her crawling out of there, oh, and then bracing mm. herself with a nail through the hole in her hand. Holy yeah. fuck, dude! I was like curled into it's a ball ass. on the couch. Yeah, but it's also it's just like ass. she will do nothing. Uh, she will do everything she can to escape. You know what yeah. I mean? She will do anything to win yeah. in this scenario to to literally pull She's herself a up. She's not a Dude, we were walking the other day and there was a guy sitting in traffic in like a Jeep that was blaring that song and singing awesome. his fucking heart out. Yes. Like dancing in his car and stuff. I was Damn like, dude, it, you I, are a survivor. I hope he just got out of a shitty relationship and he's just like, fuck yeah, bro. I'm a survive. Fuck yeah, king. <laughs> I was trying to think if there was anything that could have been like vaguely symbolic about i mean she literally has a nail through a hole in her hand i was thinking to right, myself i was like did, what, did well, she yeah, receive she's... the stigmata in this and i was like no she got cut on the back and i think there's, she also got stabbed in the shoulder <laughs> there's that like sacrificial lamb quality to her for sure yeah uh, and she she is obviously chosen and put into a dress that makes her look like a doll like she she already does have like these very doll-like features mm-hmm. And then she's in this completely white dress. Like she, she, they chose this very like almost uh, unreal looking person to be this representative that is basically yeah like pure innocence. Like she did nothing wrong. And let's be honest here, Jesus also grew up with a foster family, didn't he? He did. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> wow. What do you think about Samara Weaving just in general and her performance in this movie? Because I think she oh, is she's a goddamn great. treasure. Yeah. She's great. I think uh, uh, long ago, whenever I watched The Babysitter and talked about it on the podcast, I said she she's great. She's I, I didn't love that movie, but she she is really good. She single-handedly at... carries that movie. Like The movie's yeah. not that great, but it is worth watching because she's fucking yeah, for her. amazing in it. Mm. Yeah, she's really good. And and this one, like, she's she's awesome. She knows what the fuck she's doing. She's a really good actress. She's Hugo Weaving's niece. Yeah, Mr. Anderson. Yeah. Hugo Weaving is one of the best character actors out oh, there. I mean, yeah. like, he's Agent Smith. He's Elrond. He's V. Like He was Sabretooth motherf- once, wasn't he? Uh, I don't think I so. I think was he was he? in one of the X-Men movies. 
I I know he was Red Skull for sure. Yeah, I might be what I'm yeah. thinking of. Then he got replaced yeah, because yeah. Uh, he didn't want to do it. <laughs> I guess he didn't get replaced. He refused to do it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, dude, I think that Samara is fucking awesome. I think that she yeah, is really she's great. on track to becoming like another modern day scream queen mm. if she continues doing horror because yeah. I, I love the way that she is yeah i mean obviously she is ridiculously gorgeous but uh, yeah she's very pretty she's also no stranger to getting just sprayed with gore yeah and putting herself yeah, in excruciating situations and blood curdling yeah. screaming and all kinds of other stuff like she doesn't mind getting down and dirty in the shit and i think that's really awesome i think she and uh uh gillian jacobs could probably play sisters <laughs> Like, yeah, I they guess look so. so much alike. Yeah, that would work. Yeah, yeah. I think that so, she's fantastic in this, and and like I said, like she carries the babysitter. She doesn't necessarily carry this movie because the rest of the movie around oh, her no, is everybody's, so good. Yeah, I and we talked about Annie McDowell. Uh, Adam Brody does a great job as Daniel doing that. Like, uh, I don't really care if I live or die type of, uh, but still hunky and charming. Uh, and then also Alex, I think he does a good job of always being like a little bit off. Like I'm always yeah. just like, I want to like him, but I don't. Yeah, totally. Right. The whole movie. Uh, but I mean, the movie is absolutely saved because otherwise it would be entirely dark. I feel, uh, without Melanie Scrifano and Christian Brune who play Emily and Fitch. Yeah. Yeah. They add a lot of levity to the movie. They're kind of the, yeah. the bonehead wild card. Yeah. This whole bunch. Yeah, because Emily's a a cokehead. They're both cokeheads, and like she she obviously is traumatized by growing up in this insane family. That like other than doing this hide and seek thing, they also sacrifice goats. They say at one yeah. point. So like, <laughs> so like it's even it, even though she never had anything to do with the hide and seek, like the two boys did, she has grown up sacrificing goats. So like she's obviously like traumatized by the family, but like deals with it by being a bit scatterbrained and and silly and she is uh, melanie scrifano is from letter kenny and she's so funny in that man again I still haven't go watch watched it kenny. dude I, that's so, <laughs> so like, that's been on my things to watch list for fucking ever i have yeah. little to no excuse at this point and uh fitch christian brune is in orphan black he plays the husband of one of the clones i never watched it's, that uh, is it good yeah yeah, Orphan Black's great. Tatiana Maslany, so fucking good in it. Nice. She plays like a million characters. It's it's amazing. Anyway, uh, but yeah, the whole the whole cast so good. We have to talk about Nikki Guadagni or whatever. Which one is the she? Aunt. Yeah, Helene? dude, she's fucking awesome. Oh my god, is she? The last movie role she had was Lars and the Real Girl, 2007. It's been 12 years since she was in a movie. No shit. And she fucking is amazing in this. She is so cold blooded and yeah. heartless in this, and she looks yeah. so awesome. Mm -hmm. She looks like a and damn unlockable character in a fighting game. <laughs> yes, she does. <laughs> You know what I mean? She'd she be like, does. she'd be this like mean looking old witch woman yeah. who has like With lethal an axe. moves. Yeah, exactly, yeah. dude. <laughs> um, she's so good because like the thing is, she she actually makes the other characters funnier because she's so like straight and like she's the one who's like, uh, no changing of the rules. Like she's yeah. the most strict possible about the, and, and again dude like that's the player in the board games that you play with that's taking the game 
deadly serious that makes it yes. not fun for everybody. It makes it awkward exactly. for everybody who's there to have like a good time. Have you ever been and to one fight. of those things like where you play a board game with a couple and one of them is the fiercely competitive one that makes it not fun for everybody? Yeah. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. That's why I, I don't ever want to be that. That's why I don't like uh, playing very competitive board games with people who aren't competitive. It makes it not fun. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I mean, because I, I dial it back, but then it's no fun for me. Right, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Anyway, so uh, it, we when it, the first time I watched it, when we find out that she was the bride on that like first wedding night yeah. that we see in the cold open, and like she didn't want it to happen, and then she says, like, she wishes she could go back and killed him herself. Like she is so yeah. converted to this uh, Mister Lavelle thing yeah. and this way of life that she would she would kill her own husband just to maintain it. And you know, one thing that I really like about that cold open too is how it doesn't even try to bury the lead. It's like the movie knew. No. Yeah, we could show you this enigmatic opening with these people wearing these crazy masks doing this ritual, and then later right. there's this reveal that oh my god, Alex and David were the kids from the intro. Holy shit. But they knew that that wouldn't make the movie better. It was just like, you know what? If you've seen a trailer for this movie, you know what it's about. You got the idea, yeah. Yeah, so why Uh, even bother burying the lead that this is a crazy rich family that kills people and these are the two brothers that you saw in the intro? Like, they even name drop the kids in the intro. Like, they use their name so you know in the next scene. Yeah, so that when the ladies say it later, they say the exact name, yeah. Yeah, like, oh, those are those or, kids. Uh, Alec. Yeah. Yeah, it's those kids. So, like, I, I love it. And, and what it does is it forefronts the message of the movie. Instead of it being a thing where it's like, guess what's going to happen? Or, yeah. Uh, wait till this big reveal. It's like, no, this is the thing that's happening. Now, uh, here's the thing we're trying to tell you. Yeah, it's very <laughs> like, matter of fact. The movie's very clear, yeah. Yeah, definitely so, which I, I think is a very smart move and I think, too, the way that they play Grace's character is very smart as well because she is not by any means your typical horror movie damsel in distress who runs upstairs from the bad guy or drops the knife after she does a non-fatal stab. Like She is vicious and making all the moves that you as the viewer are like, oh, my God, do that. Like, Dude, she grabs anything within reach to fucking destroy people with. And her development is believable, too, because she goes from not knowing what's happening to not really understanding what's happening to uh, finally understanding because after her husband tells her and then she runs into the family in the hall and they try to kill her, then she starts treating it ultra seriously. Right. So it's not like her husband tells her like oh this is the tradition and she's like all right badass time and then it's like a commando montage yeah where she's like grabbing stupid. weapons and shit but it, no the development is more logical and more like it really would be and she is you know hiding a lot at the beginning and then she becomes more aggressive yeah, right? yeah. and it's awesome well and uh, the thing about awesome it is, the is like it the reason why she is so self-sufficient uh, is probably because of her past. We never really right, learned about she grew her past. Up, yeah, she grew up, you know, as an orphan, so she probably was, you know, dealing with taking care of herself, maybe terrible shit in foster homes and having to take care of herself and uh, become an adult uh, at eighteen. I mean, that's basically it in yeah, the foster system. Loose. You turn eighteen, off you go. So yeah, she she it it makes sense that she's so capable 
So the the character's so well developed and so uh, well positioned from the beginning that it like if they had brought in someone who didn't attack the role the way Samara Weaving does, it would have been less totally. believable and interesting. I agree. But she just goes at it. She's so like, yeah, like hardcore. It's 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 great. I love it. Well, and especially too, if you're looking at this movie from the perspective that that you are, where you're looking at it as the rich playing games when the lives of the poor are at stake. Yeah. It also kind of shows you like, be careful who you fuck with because these people that, you know, you're playing this game with their lives are the most self-sufficient people who could very easily cut your fucking throat. Yeah. Because yeah, exactly. they've, they've had to learn how to survive and take care of themselves. Right. So this is the last person you want to play a game with is somebody just- who is self-sufficient like she is. It's just really interesting that this, like, came out around the time it did, and now we're covering it around this time where... <laughs> yeah, no it's kidding. Be- it's become entirely clear that the people at the top have nothing to do with the success of business. No, Or dude, very little to do like, we have with a, the we success have a, of business. We have a president who claims to be, like, the most fucking tremendous successful billionaire that's ever lived yeah why don't you put some of your fucking money towards this why don't you buy some right. ventilators for these fucking hospitals you rich bastard but he's not gonna Fuck he no. won't of course not no. also because he's not yeah. he's not really rich <laughs> yeah and he's a vindictive piece of shit that is now in charge of a whole lot of money so that's fun that's great uh yay uh <laughs> What do you think about the aesthetic of this movie? That's one thing that is oh, very right. stark with this movie. Is yes, how it is. The movie light, looks. light and dark. Yeah, they do a lot with lighting. High contrast. And, yeah, it's really good. I like it. It reminded me of a black and white comic book. Uh, a lot of times, just the way that they use light and shadow. I I I love the way the interior feels. Uh, it's you know got that sort of golden hue that. Very warm uh, tone movie, yeah. Yeah, warm tone, golden hue, that kind of like that glow. Basically, the idea of like the the rich having some sort of glow or shine to them. Well, or standing the out in some way. You know, being in this mansion, everything is literally golden. Like the movie yeah, and everything rich. is go- yeah, like everything is very rich. Yeah, yes. yeah. I, I kind of like it. I kind of don't, honestly. Like it kind of has oh, yeah. that effect on me where, like, like when you watch The Ring and you're like. That's weird. Everything isn't teal it's in blue. real life. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, that's a weird thing. And in this movie, uh, it kind of disconnected me at first to be like, oh man, it's so like warm and saturated. It kind of looks like the whole movie was run through like like what Instagram filter did they put this movie through, you know? <laughs> in a way I kind of like it because it I adds it's perpetua. to It's probably that one. <laughs> <laughs> it like adds to the unreality of the whole situation, but it also adds to the unreality of the whole situation. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's like it kind of depends on your inflection and how you say it. I I don't know. Yeah, part of me thinks I would I, like the movie better if it looked more lifelike, but right. I understand the choice not. Yeah, and I I think it's a, a a choice to make the the point that it is black and white or that it is like stark contrast, light and yeah. dark. Yeah, that it it is that clear. Like the the argument isn't as uh, muddy. As people tend to pretend it is, it it really is as much of uh, as or as simple as say like taxing the rich, mm-hmm. like hey we're gonna take a whole bunch of that money that you most likely scammed and stole from people, <laughs> and we're gonna use it to help all those people that you scammed and stole from, <laughs> and now everybody's a little bit closer. We're all a little bit closer. 
And and yeah, you know what? Maybe maybe you did uh, do some hard work at some point. That's why we're not taking everything. You get to keep your you're still rich. I I saw a Twitter uh, a tweet the other day where somebody said, I think when somebody hits $999,999,999, like they should just get a certificate that says you won capitalism. Yeah, like, you win. That's it. Sorry. You don't get more money. You you won. Trust Way me, go. this is more than enough to last you your entire life. Right. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> you, You're covered. You, you couldn't spend it if you tried. It's weird, isn't it? It's like that's almost like some kind of raging lizard brain primordial survival instinct. It's just yep. like. To take everything. It hoard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. More than I'll like, ever need. I'll take it. Yeah, more not not only more than I'll ever need. I want to make sure I have so much that other people don't ever have enough. Yeah, because I'll like, survive and they won't, or something. Yeah, like that idea of like, I'm I'm the fittest. This is Darwinism. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Darwin accounted for capital. <laughs> nope, no, he didn't. Not how it's supposed to work. You know, another thing I really enjoyed about this flick too is it it really doesn't overstay its welcome. It's like a flat hour and no, a half. It's real quick, and it and it like. I, I see some moments where I think they probably did cut some things. They the wedding is like over in no time. Very brief. Yeah. Yeah. And I bet they did some more shooting for that, especially because when she like runs back through when she escapes the house and she's running through where the wedding was and she has that sort of flashback to the wedding. Like we're I, I think like they probably added that flash, like they edited down the wedding some and added that flash to make it all go quicker so it reminds us you know the wedding just happened but they didn't have to show us a whole bunch of the wedding for us to be remembering that when she goes through here yeah because that's like this real traumatic moment right like just a few hours ago happiest moment of her life and now she's running for her life down the aisle yeah totally totally it's like just this great uh contrast but i think it I think that they probably shot a lot more of that wedding scene and they were just like, you know what? If we just flash right there to that moment, people will remember, oh, right. Like just a, a few hours ago, she was the happiest she's ever been. Totally. And that's just smart movie making because it wouldn't yeah. have made the movie better to sit through no, this. No, it wouldn't. You know, and no. maybe, maybe there was like chit chat among family members of, oh, is she the new one? Is she going to play the game? Whatever. Right. It wouldn't have made the movie better. So it was smart no. to cut that stuff, assuming that they did film yeah. it like i don't feel like there's yeah, a they lot may of have even they may have well into pre-production just been like okay we can do that yeah like totally they probably especially considering a six million dollar budget we're probably smartly deciding what shots they were going to get yeah and i don't feel like there's a lot of wasted time in this like there's no moments in here where i'm like yeah. boy that was a little bit of downtime in the middle of this movie it feels like the right. the stakes get continually higher and higher uh mm -hmm. samara as grace is just continually getting more and more beat up and at the end of Ugh. her rope i mean by the end of the movie she's just you know bathed in blood basically right <laughs> like the stakes keep getting realer and realer with every turn and yeah. it, again in that way it feels very much like a good gripping game it's almost like a game of yeah. of poker or something where you're gambling where the stakes get higher you know with yeah. every turn of play or whatever i think it's paced yeah, it, perfectly and like each of those injuries is just so brutal Ugh. too like the, the shot through the hand that that huge gash in her back yeah from squeezing through the fence uh like all that stuff just more and more brutal and like i mean she gets stabbed in the shoulder like 
to avoid getting stabbed in the chest. Like, she's such a badass. She's like, I'll just take it in the shoulder. Yeah, like, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's clear that she's, like, not at all afraid to inflict harm on herself to escape the right. situation. You know? Exactly. Well, but but yeah. again, that's, like, shit that you see in other movies where it's, like, the girl is trying to squeeze through the bars and she's like, I can't fit. I guess I'll just get killed by the killer. And you're like, just right. fucking squeeze through. Even if it <laughs> snags your skin, just do it. Like, yeah. she's following the orders that we're thinking in our heads she should do, you know? Yeah. Even if it means yeah. inflicting a little harm, who cares? You'll get away with your life intact. Yeah, which is genius at this point. Like, everybody knows all the beats. They know everything that's supposed to happen. You can't have the uh, screaming, flailing uh, heroine anymore. You have to have one who's making the choices that the audience would make. Yeah, or that because a human everybody, would make. <laughs> right? Because everybody who's watched these horror movies has thought like what they would do. Totally. So you can't write a movie where you have characters who haven't had some sort of forethought. Yeah, no doubt, man. Yeah, I think it's a very well crafted movie that is fun to watch on the base level viewing of like I said, yes. girl is in this family. They're crazy. They want to kill her. She's trying to escape. That's great. Mm -hmm. It's also great to look at it from the perspective of. This is what it's like to join into a family and learn their traditions yeah. and learn their ways that might seem so weird and alien to you. But then there's also yeah. that sociopolitical undercurrent of the rich playing games with the poor. It's like there's yeah. so many ways that you can look at this movie, even though on the surface level, it is so simple. I mean, The, yeah. sh the Shining is about a guy that gets locked into a big house with his family and he goes crazy. That's the base right. level reading. And it's great if you just watch it that way. But there's also so much you can look into it and watch the movie a different way every time. I love flicks like that, and this kind of fits into that mold a bit for me. Yeah, I agree. And um, as as you said, like be, like being rewatchable, being one of those things where even though you know what's gonna happen, you're still excited by it. Yeah. Like that that is a rare rare thing to to get out of a movie, and this movie has it. I, I love each time I've watched it I love that like it's not that I necessarily gained something more from it it's just like an appreciation each time yeah that's like, a good way man, to put it yeah this is really well done so I that that's a rare thing to get out of a movie and I I think this movie is a success in any measure you're looking for for a, a contemporary modern horror movie uh, this this movie really nails it. Yeah, I agree, man. You got any final thoughts on a rating for this thing? Uh, okay, so this is, I mean, this is made by, I, I didn't really talk about this, the directors of this, they they made like a segment in VHS. Oh, I was wondering original. if they ever did anything else, yeah. Yeah, the segment they did was, I don't know if you remember in VHS, I think it's the last segment. It's a bunch of guys in 1988 going to a party, and they go into that house that's, like, insanely haunted, and all sorts of crazy shit happens. Yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They also uh, directed a movie called Devil's Due. Uh, but they've basically been in indie horror up to this point, and they get into this, nail it, and now they're going to be directing the next Scream movie. Oh, no shit. Really? Yeah. I can yeah, see that just working very well recently. because they have the uh -huh. balance of brutality yeah. and funniness and actual and the, horror. Yeah. And they could, I think they could pull a good meta into it. Because, oh, yeah. like, I don't know if you've scream, seen Scream 4, but, like, it went meta in a way that I, I'm thinking, like, how could you possibly go deeper than that? 
So like I, I'm really interested to see what they do. Is it a sequel or a remake? The the one that they're doing. A uh, sequel. It'll be it'll be Scream Five. Oh, yeah. okay, cool. Yeah. Or at least it was just announced they're going to be doing it, so I guess it's probably still in development. I'm but interested I, either way. If I, they're doing I think it. that was the idea, was it would be Scream 5. Nice. So, yeah, uh, I, I really like what they did here. I think they did a great job with the material written by Guy Busick and R. Christopher Murphy, who uh, write for Castle Rock Season 2, oh. which was awesome. I I think that the, the script is obviously well-written, the direction i love what they did with it the cast was awesome so well like put together don't know how they made this movie for six million dollars i have no clue that's mind-blowing it is mind-blowing it's amazing and i'm glad that uh i'm glad that this all came together because this was really fun one of the most fun movies uh horror movies i've seen in in a while easily one of the best of 2019 easily oh yeah for sure so uh for me i mean i don't know like I don't have complaints. I don't know how to rate things anymore, Ben. <laughs> I just want to give it a 10. Because <laughs> he loves. I, I love this movie. I, I, I don't have a problem with it whatsoever. Wow. So I, I'll, say it's, I'll say this movie is perfect for me. Awesome. It is a 10. Damn, man. Tossing them dimes left yeah, and right these I, that's days. That's true. They mean nothing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's, that's commercialism right there, man. That's the yeah. economic system. A dime doesn't mean <laughs> shit, man. Just toss them around. Who cares? Here, here's a dime. Yeah, you know, I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little bit more conservative, uh, just because I don't know. I mean, like I said, maybe the aesthetic of the movie wasn't exactly to my taste. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know. I th- but I'm still gonna give it like a nine. I think this is like yeah. a nine for me. Like I try to reserve the tens for something that I'm like, oh god, this is in my top five favorite movies right. ever. Yeah. You know. Uh, so I'm going to be a little bit more conservative and drop it a nine, but I, I hugely recommend it, man. And I feel like this mm-hmm. is also one of those ones that you can watch with people that aren't necessarily horror fans. Like if you're one of those people whose partner yes. doesn't really like horror movies, but you love yeah. them, you could probably watch this with them. It's kind of more of a thriller yeah. with heavy gore elements and a slight supernatural twist. Yes. Yeah. The gore and the supernatural twist are what really push it into horror. But yeah, it's... It, it is very much something that, like, I'd say if you have a, f- a family member, friend, who you want to get into horror movies, and you know they like Knives Out, they would like this movie. There you go. Yeah. 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 Like, it'd be an easy entry point, for Good sure. gateway movie, for sure, man. Yeah. Yeah, really cool. I so look forward to seeing whatever the, the directors and writers come up with next, and whatever Samara Weaving does next, because I really oh, do yeah. think she has so much potential to become a legendary yes. actress in... In horror and other stuff, but of course, obviously, I want her to be a legend in horror because that's my favorite genre, you know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, awesome flick. Be sure to check it out. And Steve, before we announce what we're doing on the show next week, I want to remind everybody to go on iTunes, rate, and review. It really is something very small that you can do to help the podcast out a ton. It's what helps us show up in search engines and on those, you know, top 10 lists and stuff like that. So if you have a second, which, hey, Probably everybody does right now because everybody's staying home because we're quarantined. Go on iTunes, rate and review. And at the end of your review, be sure to leave us a question that you want to know the answer to that we will answer on a future FAQ that we're going to do on the Preview Palace. There's a couple more that have been added to the list that we're kind of uh, saving up right now, but we need a few more so we can do another FAQ. So go on iTunes, rate and review. Steve, can they follow us on social media? 
Um, at Dead Lovely Pod on Twitter and Instagram for sure. Yeah, we're also on that Facebook, facebook.com forward slash dead and lovely, youtube.com forward slash dead and lovely, Discord. We're everywhere. We plump erwer, but we're also on patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. So I'm not the best at record keeping. So if I uh shout out somebody who's already been shouted out, hey, you got two shout outs. If uh, I don't shout you out, let me know. Send me a message. I could have accidentally completely forgot to check your name off or even write your name down. I have a bad memory. Shout outs to Sydney G. What up, Sid? Uh, Molly Curran. Sage. David BB. Matthew Roar. I know I've done that one before. Well, there's another one for you, Matthew Roar. Uh, David Edwards, Chad Hatcher, Miles Davis. Hell yeah, that's cool. <laughs> that's about as cool as you can have a name right there, right? Miles Davis, shout out to Miles. Uh, Tim, Michael Thorne, Isaiah Henderson, John Kiernan, Brendan Walker, Tenacious C, SB. I'm going to assume that's the Super Bowl. That's how good we are. The Super Bowl likes us. Uh, Rudy Rockmore. Dave Bashay. More like Dave Bashave. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Thomas Lambert. Shane Taylor. Thank you so, so much thanks. for your contributions to the show. You guys are better than we deserve and help keep the wheels a turning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was cute. I like that. Yeah, that was, that was for them. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh,. <laughs> So what are we doing next week, Ben? Do you know? I know what we're doing next week. So we want to continue on the theme of doing a couple of newer flicks that maybe some of our listeners haven't watched yet so that way they can watch them with us and enjoy next week's episode as fresh, clean viewers of this movie for the first time as we are going to be. (laughs) So we're going to recommend everybody tune in and rent The Lighthouse, which of course is the follow-up to one of our favorite movies ever, The Witch. The Vavitch. The Vavitch, of course. One of our perennial favorites that we talk about endlessly on the show. Uh, this is kind of the follow-up to that one there. Hopefully, it'll be like the... Uh, well, it'll be more like Van Halen 2 than Creed's Human Clay. Maybe it'll yeah, even be like a Pinkerton. Ooh. Ooh. What if it is? <laughs> a successful second. <laughs> so be sure to tune in next week when we're going to be talking about that one. Are you excited to cover that one, Steve? Yeah, I, I've been putting it off, and I really wanted to put it off until we actually covered it on the show. Yeah, me too. And yeah, the, you know, we had the idea to do some movies from 2019 this month, and that's one that I've just been putting off for too long. we got to do it. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, totally, man. I actually might watch it as soon as we get done with this episode, so I'm excited yeah. to check that out. So be sure to tune in next week hope everybody is staying healthy wealthy and wise don't forget to wash your damn hands and your ass <laughs> <laughs> tune in I next love week that that's our sign up that's it man <laughs> tune in next week you guys have been fantastic we've been dead and lovely say good night steve good night steve good night steve bye Man, you know, in about nine months around Christmas time, when all these white yeah. people start popping out all their little quarantine kids that were conceived while everybody's locked indoors, 
They're going to be coming out with all kinds of stupid, dumb fucking white people names like little girls yeah. named Corona or little boys named of Corey with a Q and shit like that. And I am not yeah, going to Quarantina. Quarantina. Sure. Oh, my God, dude. It's going to be the new plague <laughs> just dealing with these fucking kids. Hey, maybe plague. <laughs> this is my kid plague. <laughs> this, right on the nose, huh? This is pandemic. <laughs> you have to say pandemic. It's got a long A. Yeah. There's like three A's in there. Pandemic. It's prettier that way. We thought it was, we thought it was pretty. <laughs> oh, it is. It is real pretty. 